Yeehaw! Y'all want a date with an international model? Well, Hillbilly Horror Show is going to make it happen. Holy! That's right. We're having ourselves a contest. And the winner gets an all-expense-paid trip to Hollywood and a date with international swimsuit model and star of Hillbilly Horror Show actress Rachel Faulkner. You are going to make some guy so happy. Head on over to HillbillyHorrorShow.com for details and be sure to catch Hillbilly Horror Show Volume 2 on DVD February 17th. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Geider with my co-host, Joanne Thomas. Our guest today is actress Susie Lanier Bromlett. You might remember her from the days of the Hills of Eyes in 77. But before we get to her, let's check out a tune that she wrote and sang. It's called Watch What You Ask For. Check it out.
So, Suze, yeah. it looks like you've spent an awful lot of time on TV over the I years. Um, yes. Up until 1977 when you did Hills Have Eyes, right? Is that yes, the and, and after I did the Hills Have Eyes. Mm-hmm. Most, my, well, no, I was very busy during the, on television during the time I did the Hills Have Eyes on mm-hmm. television uh, as well as doing theater. So, you know, uh, but, yeah, I was busy on TV during that time, and certainly after, too. Did you did you do you prefer TV to uh, movies or? Um, I, you know, I think I prefer doing movies, really. But I love, you know, acting is acting. I, I really prefer, you know, it, it's really nice. Depending on the role, the character that I have, that I'm sinking my teeth into. So I don't really have a preference, um, except you know if the. You know, I my preference is who's the best character to play. But TV is great exposure, and it's usually much better money for me at this point. So, um, you know, it'd be hard to pick. Right. Well, especially if you're doing indie films because of yes. the fact that they don't pay quite as much as television. Right. And the uh, the thing is that they're to me the indie films are easier to do um because there's not the network pressure and you know uh there it's just more kicked back. It's laid back, you know. Um television is there's usually a network executive on the set and everything has to be perfect and you know, you can't waste any time. I mean, it's a business and it's hard. It's hard work. Well, Susie, uh, now you were in Happy Days in an episode in 74. Now, was that your first? Sunday, Monday, Happy Days. Tuesday, Wednesday, Happy Days. Thursday, Friday, Happy Days. The weekend comes, my cycle hops, ready to race to you. These days are on. Sky, hello blue. There's nothing can hold me when I hold you. It feels so right, it can't be wrong. Rocking and rolling all week long. my very first I had done uh, some indie films in New York and in Dallas and I moved out here in 1974 and I guest starred on Happy Days the second day I arrived and that was my very first job in Hollywood 
And you were the sexy prom queen. I was a, a, a prom queen, yes. It wasn't <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't a huge part. Uh, yeah. it, the, my friend from high school was working with Gary Marshall as a producer on the show, William S. Bickley. And, okay. and he had um, uh, – we had been um, acting partners in theater in high school. And when I got here, I called him, and he said, come to the set at Paramount. And I want to show you around. And I said, oh, God, I'd love to. And I, he, I, I went over to Paramount and met him for lunch. And <clears throat> he took me to the set. And Henry Winkler came up. I'd met, I, I got to meet Ron Howard and everybody on the show, including Gary Marshall. And then Henry Winkler came up and said, make her my girlfriend. And not only did they do that, Henry Winkler was my first date in Hollywood. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, he is the nicest man, and he said, welcome to L.A., and he took me to the Imperial Gardens, uh, which was a really hot spot at the time on Sunset Strip, and we just had a ball. He was, he is such a nice human being and made me feel so welcome, and, you know, they made, you know, they got me on the show that week, so that was really cool. All right. Well, I'm going to let let the fans know um, your stage name was Susan Lanier. Am I correct? Yes. Back in, in yes. the days. All right. Now you also were in, in another TV show that I watched in '76. What was it like to work with um, John Ritter? John was great. John was great, and um, I, you know, when I did the the pilot, um, I had just gotten back from shooting The Hills Have Eyes. Um, That same week, they had already started production on the pilot of Three's Company. And they weren't happy with the woman that they had, the girl who they had cast as Chrissy. And I was in the supermarket, and my agent called me and said, put down your groceries and get over to ABC this moment. And they had me paged. This was before cell phones. Right. And so they paged me, and he said, put down the groceries. I said, there's nothing to eat. Put down your groceries and get over to ABC now. I did. They screen tested me that night. I only had about two days of rehearsal, and then I had to learn all those lines in two days and then shoot the third day. Now, John and Joyce had not had as much TV experience as I had, and the audience already knew me from well. Welcome back, Cotter. So right. I'm not sure exactly uh, the politics behind all of that, but uh, there were a lot of politics going on in terms of laughs and attention from the audience and um, other things, other components that I will never know or understand. And so uh, there was some competition between John and I, and that is the truth. And I felt it. So, you know, I was not surprised when they went with somebody else. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. So, you know, now, it's not everybody doesn't love each other in Hollywood. Now, right, right. in retrospect, and and his his wife at the time, Nancy Ritter and I are dear friends. And I am friends with all of his children, Jason, Tyler, and Carly. And so it it's weird how Years later, I actually hang out with his family from time to time. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Wow. Now, you also worked with a legend, too, in Barnaby Jones. Oh, yeah. Well, which one? Oh, Pat Hingle or Buddy Ebsen? You know. <laughs> Buddy Ebsen and Pat Hingle, exactly. Yeah. So, Pat Hingle, that, Barnaby Jones was my second television show. And, uh, and that was filmed. Happy Days was easy because it was, uh, well, that was filmed, too, but my part wasn't huge. My part was bigger on Barney, Barnaby Jones. And, um Pat Hingle could see that, you know, on action, you have to stop. You know, I had to get out of a car and stop at, a, at, at an exact point where you can't look down to look for your mark. Right. So Pat Hingle got very protective of me on the set. And he said, ask for a sandbag. And I said, what's that? Because I had, year, I had done tons of theater but not tons of film, and so the, it's, a, it's a bag of sand, and when your toes hit it, you know to stop, and you don't have to look down, but I didn't know to look for the sandbag. I mean, I, to ask for a sandbag. So Pat Hinkle said, look, come to my dressing room at lunch. We've got to talk about some film stuff, and you'll, you'll use it for the rest of your life. I was the luckiest girl in Hollywood because he was – we became really good friends, and he was so he was such a fine, skilled, legendary, iconic actor that decided to take me under his wing and kind of teach me some of the tricks that I you just don't learn in acting class. No, acting oh, wow. classes don't teach you little technical things on the set. You know, not any that I've been right. to before that, and not any I've been to after that. Wow. Good to have all that background to uh, work with, to know. These, yeah, these yeah. I've been really, I've been really lucky in in terms of the people that my path has crossed. You know, I worked with Tennessee Williams himself. You know, I worked with Raymond Massey himself. I was on the road for a year with Donald O'Connor, who taught me all those old tap. Wow routines. So I've been very, very lucky with who, who I've worked with, and I feel very blessed about that. Well, you also run a, on a TV series, Phyllis. Yes. That's quirky. What's the experience like on the Phyllis? Well, Cor- Cor- Cloris Leachman was, you know, that was her series. And, and so everybody had said, oh my God, Cloris Leachman, she's so mean, you know, she, you know, she's, she's tough. And, um, and you're, you know, be careful on the set, watch what you say and, and, you know, tiptoe around Cloris. And, uh, when I got there, Joan Darling was, uh, directing that one and I actually caught the flu while I was shooting it and Cloris could not have been sweeter. She come to my dressing room, get her some chicken soup, get her. She was very, very protective and, and very generous on film and uh, so sweet to me. And uh, all the rumors just didn't, you know, again, I was lucky. I didn't find her. I found her to be nothing but fabulous. So, you know, I lucked out on that one. Wow. And then you, you, you mentioned Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah, I'm most and known for the role of Bambi on Welcome Back, Cotter, John Travolta's girlfriend, uh, you know, uh, being a sweat hog, and uh, the Bambi, the girl from the beach. And um, I think when I go to conventions and, and, and appear at places, I, I, there are as 
equally as many people, particularly in a in an older generation, that are more impressed with the fact that I was Bambi um, than any of my horror films. Except for the people that come to our festival because they're more. Oh, oh right. Well, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it. I think at this point, The Hills Have Eyes and Welcome Back, Cotter, and all the the shows that we've actually talked about. Are are kind of cult at this point, you know? They're yeah. they're they're cult fans of all of them, and some of, some of that is overlapping, you know. Some of that overlaps, you know. That it it's like a, an antique, you know. I guess that's what I feel like an antique. <laughs> what is so amazing is your your career in TV. I mean, we're talking a lot of big shows. Alice, I love that show. Police Woman, Eight is Enough. You know, and then that led up, led up to the your, one of the biggest horrors. It's The Hills Have Eyes in 77. They wanted to see something different, but something different saw them first. The Hills Have Eyes. Mister, don't take your family back in that area. The silver has been gone for 40 years now. There's nothing back in there but animals. A lot. The old creep told you not to get off the road. What began as a vacation ended as a nightmare. Be hell to pay now. How was that? She thought she knew what the world was all about, but nothing prepared her for this. The hills have eyes. Oh, you go with my baby. Yeah, away, Dick. A mother fighting for her child loses it in the worst possible way. I hit him with a tire iron and I split his face wide open. That was a bad mistake. <laughs> I come back for you later, girly. Why are you doing this? The story of an American family who lost everything except the will to survive. Murdered, raped, burned, but not beaten. The hills have eyes. The story of one family's refusal to die. I'm gonna get those animals. The Hills Have Eyes, a night of terror, a day of vengeance where no one was spared, no one. Kill the babes! Kill me! They fought back. Anything was a weapon. The family dog to the family car. It's working! No! The Hills Have Eyes, the most shocking, terrifying film you will ever see by Wes Craven, writer and director of The Last House on the Left. The Hills Have Eyes, the lucky ones died first. Now I want to ask you a question about The Hills Have Eyes. You know, I know when that was made back in 77, it wasn't supposed to be anything big. I mean, a lot of the horror films like Chainsaw Massacre and Night of the Living Dead in 68, they weren't supposed to be anything huge, but they are today. 
What was your experience like working with uh, Michael Berryman and Dee Wallace and and the uh, Cannibal family? Um, honestly, Dee, I was the only one of the cast that had significant credits at that time. I certainly will not say that I was a star. I was not a star at the time. I had a large body of work in television, and but I had not gotten the opportunity to star in a movie. And when Wes Craven offered me the lead, I jumped at the chance, even though my agent didn't want me to do it. He thought it would cheapen uh, my career. He was from New York. He was from the New York Theater, Martin Gage, and he just thought horror was, you know, the lowest rung on the ladder. And so um, when I got to the set, um, it was awkward at first because Michael had done Cuckoo's Nest, but he was certainly not known at the time. And right. um, and Dee didn't have very many credits. And so it was uh, awkward uh, to some degree. I think they thought I was a snob. Um, and I spent a lot of time by myself, uh, on the set, except that we were all stuck in the same trailer and, um, you know, out in the desert at night when it was freezing and in the daytime when it was burning hot. And so there was a, there was a, um, we all finally kind of got friendly um, I got to be better friends with Michael Behrman years later, you know, um, and we're very close now. But at the time, I think that they can, you know, and I was also used to having my own trailer, um, having wardrobe there, having makeup there, you know, for every take. And it it was primitive out there in the desert. We didn't have any right. of that. And uh, I wasn't. I, I'd gotten a little spoiled, so I, you know, I'll give them that, you know, um, and maybe that was, I think I was kind of uh, shocked that there were, weren't more, um, you know, there was not a little bit more of that on the set of this movie. We all got along great. Dee and I would work out at the gym at the hotel uh, together, um, <clears throat> but Honestly, we weren't all great friends. I would be called in to look at dailies. Not everybody was. And, and that kind of set, uh, set me apart from the rest of them. So I right. did get a reputation on, on the set of being a little bit snobby. And uh, I didn't feel like I deserved it, but I can see their point of view. So right. Uh, right. there had been some uh, problems with uh, them paying us our overtime. I'm just going to tell you the truth because, you know, it's, I, I, I think it's better to tell the truth at this point. I may never get another chance. And so, you know, people should know, um, you know, what really did happen. Payroll had not um, uh, sent us all our overtime from, from part one. So I had my agent, my agent actually, uh, enforced them 
to pay before the Hills Have Eyes Part 1 could be, the first one could be even released. So nobody was happy about that. But I figure if I'm going to go to the desert and, and work my butt off, I need to be paid at least the little stipend that we were paid. So we've not received big residuals or royalties from that movie. The producer, Wes Craven, and all the group, they made a lot of money on it. The actors made very little money on it. And um, uh, and it, I don't see that things have changed too much from those days where the producers make everything and the actors now particularly, I think it's even worse. You know, you make your – now people are trying to pay you $100 a day if you're lucky. Uh, we, uh, it was just very low budget and actors are treated, not treated that well. It, we, it looks like a glamorous lifestyle. And if you don't defend yourself and stand up for yourself, they'll run all over you. Um, and I just have too much, uh, pride to, uh, be abused. And that was what it was getting down to. So I didn't care whether I was in the Hills Have Eyes 2 or not, you know. Um, right. Uh, and very few of us were used. It was not, uh, to me, there's no comparison between Part 2 and, and the original. So, you know, so there you have it. I wasn't even in it. As far as I'm concerned, I wasn't in it. And I certainly didn't get paid very much for for it. So I don't even consider myself a part of Part 2. All right. Well, yeah, well, it's, you know, but, you know, there's one thing that you can say is you are part of that film, and that film is is an iconic film today. So I guess it's good and a bad, right? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I wasn't even, I starred in that film. And, that, you know, it says, The Hills of Eyes, starring Susan Lanier. And uh, there have been articles written where everybody's mentioned but me. And uh, it's uh, sort of uh, been a love-hate relationship with how it all went down. Um, And I am very excited about my new film because uh, now I'm being – I dropped out for a long time from acting to focus on music and photography and other other art forms – that I'm, uh, I've been successful in and also where I have more control over the outcome. You know, if I want to write a song, I go in the living room and sit down at the piano and write a song or call a fellow songwriter and say, let's get together and write a song. Then we go in the studio, record it, and there, and voila, we have product. It's not that easy to do with film. Right. So when, um, you know, um, when my, you know, after a female uh, gets over 30 and hits those mid 30 years, it's really tough to keep the career going. And um, I am a creative person and and I, I do feel like I have talents in other areas. And I thought, you know, screw it. I'm not going to sit around and wait for a line here and a line there on a couple of shows. I, I can't put all my eggs in that basket. And um, either I produce myself, and I had produced a, a, a couple of things in New York City when I was much younger. Um, but I I didn't want to do that either. And so I just 
you know, went out and did other things. And I, I've worked along the way. I mean, if somebody calls me up and says, be in our TV show, I'll do it, you know. But right. I wasn't right. going to go, you know, sit for hours in a room and then, you know, not get the part. And that and that's really, you know, audi- uh, fans and pe- people that aren't in the business don't know how hard it is to be an actor. You know, you... Oh, I know. <laughs> You get dressed, oh. you learn your lines, then you get dressed, figure out what the character should be wearing or you want to give a hint of it. And then you drive a couple of hours and you pay to park. And then sometimes you walk another half hour to get in because they don't give you a driving pass. And then you sit right. there for an hour. I went to an audition the other day and the casting director kept me waiting two hours before I got in. And I finally just said, I'm not doing it. So I just walked away. Uh, you know, I, I thought, no, I'm not sitting here for – I'm on time, and I sit there for two hours. That is, uh, again, I mean, I just, I have my own boundaries and my own self-pride, and sometimes it's just too hard. And then you sit there for two hours, you go in and you read for five seconds, and then you leave, and they've already offered the part to some name, and they're waiting to know if the name has wants the part. And then you weren't even going to get it in the first place. And by the yeah. way, I've been that name that they've offered the part to where I know that other girls have gone and they've wait, they've done that whole process. And I, I, I know of a couple of parts that I was already offered the part, but they still had the casting call. And I eventually took the part. So all those girls who did that process didn't have a chance to begin with. It, you know, I, I don't think I've ever opened up and talked about the nasty politics of how it all works. But, you know, you've you got to be tough to sit that out yeah. and to, to to decide to do that with your life. It's very hard. I mean, it looks easy when the final film is done, but you're right. It's a lot of work. It's hard. And it's a lot of rejection. You know, you you mm-hmm. go and you go and you go and then you get one. And you go, okay, okay, I'm on my way. And then nothing happens. You do the show, and then you know, and you're, and then it's a wrap. And you drive home yep. alone, and you go, "Oh, I just finished." Now, when's the next? And it whets your appetite. Yep. And then you go, "Okay, when is the next one?" And then you could wait another year or two. <laughs> and then you know, yep. You, yep. and and it's not just me. I mean, I am friends with some major, major names, movie stars in the business. I just did the Oprah show with Morgan Fairchild, who invited me to be her guest um, on Where Are They Now? And it's not just me. I mean, this is the way it works. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, I think it's really a great thing that you've diversified to have other things to do, and they're creative, and they're really going to make things – I think they make things easier for you as far as having an income. Um, yes, yes, definitely. But, you know, I, I, uh, in 1984, things were slowing down acting wise and I have a son and I went, okay, now what am I going to do? So I got a camera. I knew light from the theater. I didn't want to be on the road and I can always act in the theater. But I did, and I did a, a, a tour with Donald O'Connor, and he, um, you know, he stayed with his. I was divorced, but when he was one, so uh, 
when he stayed with his father, but he was not happy. And I was on the road with Donald O'Connor for a year in doing theater. And I came back and it, things were just a mess. And I said, wow, I've got to figure out a way to stay in L.A. during these formative years. And so I have always known how to light things. I started in the theater at 13, at the age of 13. And I always were taking pictures with cameras when I was a little bitty girl. I thought, I think I'll be a photographer. I think that would be fun. And man, I started making money at it like in two weeks. I never even took a photo a photography class. I read the manual, figured out how to load the film, started shooting a few actor friends of mine. Uh, Dennis Haskins from Saved by the Bell was, was my roommate uh, once upon a time, and I called him and I said, Dennis, let me shoot a couple of pictures of you and see if I can get some good headshots. And um, I did, then, I, then that segued into album covers in Nashville and fashion in Paris and London and New York, and I just had a ball. Turn on the music, wow. I put my hair in a bun and put on some overalls and some tennis shoes. Don't have to look great. And I'm behind the camera, and I love being behind the camera as much as being in front of the camera, maybe more. Well, you have a lot more control. Well, yeah, and and I may and I'm probably I guess in the long run, you know, I became a uh, in 2005 I won one of the top photography awards in uh, Los Angeles. So you know, I I uh, don't. And I, I, the only thing about diversifying is that most people only want to see you as one thing, and they get confused. Well, is she a photographer, or is she a singer, nightclubs, a performer, or is she an actress? Disturbing news in North Hollywood. Two headless female bodies were found early this morning, and police are now saying this could be the work of a possible serial killer. Got an idea how to make some easy money. We can make a movie by getting real people and just scaring them. Let's do it. Every big horror movie's got like a larger than life bad guy. I think we gotta find somebody like that. Wait a second, that's a homeless guy from out yeah. back. She's perfect. Now that fun. Take this, just scare her. <laughs> came in there with a knife and he slit her throat. We're accomplices to murder. I just don't know why I have to be the one to do this. Well, I guess the director can do whatever he wants, right? get to do sing in my nightclub act and act in two different time periods in the film. And I love that because people can actually say, oh, she does that. Oh, and she does that, you know. 
Now, nice. I understand that uh, Cut is making its theatrical release on February 6th, which is coming up fast. Yes, and, it is. Um, where Where is it going to be shown, do you know? Well, it, it's opening, uh, the opening night is February 13th at the Arena Theater in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just was rated uh, number four best horror movie of, two, of 2014 in the M ratings. So I am so excited about this movie. Big, Congratulations. Big, thank you. Um, a, it's, it's won a couple of film, big, big, big film festivals. And then uh, in first place. And then this, this uh, movie rating is kind of like one of the biggest ones. It may take on a life of itself like the Hills of Eyes did. Um, when I shot it, I, I, uh, when we filmed it, I thought of it that it, I didn't think much, just like when we did the Hills Have Eyes, I'm not aware or thinking about what's the outcome going to be. Is this going to be a success or is this just going to be another day on the set? And so when I was filming it with Gabrielle Stone and David Roundtree and David Banks, I'm going, is this just another day on the set? But now that it's winning the festivals and has been given this rating of, uh, and, and a couple of the movies that were in first and second place weren't even made in the United States. They are foreign films. So this is uh, uh, in the world. It has been rated number four best horror movie in 2014, wow. not just nice. California or not just the United States. So it's possible that cut, will take on a life of its own and then and that would just thrill me to death because um I play a character named Susan Lanier from The Hills Have Eyes, grown up film director, horror film director, and my film is starring Gabrielle Stone, Dee Wallace's real life daughter. Mm-hmm. So that's the character I play myself in it, which is very cool. And uh, and um, so when it opens, we'll see how it's going to play for about a week in Hollywood. It's already been uh, it's already gotten BOD and DVD distribution and we'll see what happens. You know, you never know till it's launched and then you see what happens with it, you know, but it is very scary. It's very classy. It's got. A lot of humor in it and like really funny and very very scary and then the ending you just go oh my god no that is so weird and so surprise ending I'm proud of this if if one has to do horror I'm very proud of of this horror movie because it's it's very well done and it's it's a classy one I thought The Hills of Eyes had its own class to it. You know, it, right. it's not just slasher, you know. And I, I hate slash for slash sake. I think right. I, right. That, that to me is not art and it's not filmmaking. It's exploitation and close to pornography. But there's, you know, uh, cut is very sexy those scenes do not involve me, <laughs> but, 
<laughs> Not at this age, but uh, it's very classy, and uh, it, and it's got plenty of sex in it. But it's not just. Let's see how we can cut somebody's, you know, breast off or something. You know, I right. I, I don't consider that art, by the way. Well, I'm going to have to try to make an extended effort to come up there and see this. It's a really good movie, and I, you know what? I was scared to death it wouldn't be. But I've been to the screening of it, and I went, I went um, to the screening, and it was a full house. I didn't know very many people in the audience, and everybody just looked at each other and went, wow, okay, this is a good one. Well, you know, that theater is very small, and guess what? I just got invited yesterday. Yeah. Which, which theater is it going to be at? The, the arena. It's a small, you know, it's that small. You've been there, right, Joanne? I'm trying to think because I've been, I mean, I don't know L.A. that well, and I keep going up there for different things, and I end up in different places every time, it's and a, I, don't, I don't know where I am. It's across the street from Sadie's uh, in Hollywood near Las Palmas and um, Cherokee and there. It's a small theater. It's next door to the Egyptian. I've seen you at oh, the Egyptian. Yeah, you and, I've been you yeah, you and I have met up at the Egyptian. It's next door to the Egyptian. It's a smaller theater the, at the, than the Egyptian, and I, I really wish they had released it at the Egyptian because that would have been a better theater to release yeah, definitely. it. Definitely. It's going to be – the arena is going to be packed, and I only got my invitation yesterday. So that's why – for one reason, that's why. Well, I can't wait to see it. I'd do a review on it. So. Oh, I look forward to that. I, you know, yeah. I don't like to watch horror very much. It, uh, it, I, it scares me. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I guess it's the purpose. But uh, you know, when it starts getting really bloody and sadistic and masochistic and all those kind of things, I, you know, it just to me, you know, I'd rather watch, you know, uh, m meet me in Seattle or something. <laughs> <laughs> Forrest Gump, you know, I, I, I like lighthearted films if I'm going to be watching them particularly alone, so Life is like a box. I, I, I have to, I have to have, if I, if I go to a horror movie, I will, would never go to one by myself. You never know what you get inside. No, uh-uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't. <laughs> My biggest problem is that I find them funny. <laughs> Well, yes, and you know what? Uh, to me, that's a good sign. Uh, to me, that's a sign of a pretty good horror movie when you know that they have been directed and done and acted a little bit tongue-in-cheek. You know, like we know this is, you know, we, we know this is stupid, uh, you know, that we're doing this, and, and, and it is funny. But there are some of them that are now being made that lack the humor that it takes for the audience to understand that everybody knows that this is, this is, uh, you know, <laughs> creative filmmaking. Like when I was a little girl, I loved Vincent Price. And I loved uh, The Pit and the Pendulum and some of those movies, the costumes were elaborate and the acting was a little bit over the top. And, and you know, the woman lying there in the pendulum almost, you know, chopping her in half. It was fun. It was fun and it was funny. 
and it was scary all at the same time. But when it's just slash for slash sake and let's try to shock people and, and, and see how sadistic human beings can be, we have plenty of that by turning on the news. I don't, it, that's, that to me is not entertainment. It's not funny. It's not, it's not art. And people that are making it need to look and see what kind of damage they may be doing to young people who look at it. You know, there, there, you know, we, there needs to be a conscience of what we're creating. I'm uh, getting ready to produce a really fabulous film, horror film called The Witness. And it is filled with, you know, I'm, you know, Bill Oberst Jr. is attached and uh, he was a wonderful actor. He's, he's mostly known in horror and that is kind of, uh, to me, not the best scenario because he's so diverse, diversity, versatile. He's so versatile as a, as an artist and as an actor. He's a wonderful actor and the script is really arty and it's southern and I'm from Texas and he's, you know, from the south. We're all from the south and it's a southern piece and it is, so well written and it's so much you know there's a story there's a beginning and a middle and an end just like cut and you're going oh my god oh, you know and what's going to happen it's there's a little slashing in it but it's it's very creative and uh and i'm playing a role in it as well uh sister Inez. and you know i'm a preacher woman and it, she's hysterical so you know I can't wait to try to get the rest of the funding for this one. And um, uh, that's what I'm working on now. Yeah, I'm also attached to a, another one that um, may get made <clears throat> called The Pale Horse. And, um, and it's very elegant. It's, it's um, a horror movie, but very well written also and, and very elegant. And um, I, I'm waiting to see if that's going to get made. But you know, so you know, you always have to get everything in place. Putting together, producing is is a forty-eight hour a day job. And you have a couple other movies that you've been working on. Area Fifty-One. And yeah, no, I, I think no. that was released. Um, I'm not so sure that's going to have any kind of. Um, Paramount is uh, working on the distribution of that, I think, and I, I'm, I don't know if that's going to have a, a life of its own. I know they did some refilming of it, rewriting of it. I don't even know um, if I will uh, remain in it if it ever does get released. That, that Nobody has heard a word about that one, but um, No Solicitors is with Eric Roberts, and um, that will probably have a, a release. And then also another one I did with Bill Oberst Jr. called Betrothed. Look, lady. I know. I have to wait 48 hours. She could be dead by then. She's an adult. There are no signs or reason to believe that there's been any foul play. I'm just going to run down the convenience store and grab a few things. I'll be home in 40 minutes. What do I do? I really would like to help you, but it's not my jurisdiction. Do you have children? 
Is she pretty, Ma? Oh, she sure is, honey. If I were to poke around, I'd be stepping on some toes. Look, I know what you're up to. Tina, what you got? More questions than answers. Got another missing person? Stripper named Kim Cole. I would love to help you out. But, <laughs> I'm kind of busy right now. Yes, yeah. Why don't you let her help a girl? Right? I like this thing. Told you I never saw the check. You know I'm gonna find out, Ryan, right? I'm begging you. Alright, you can help me save this girl's life. Are you insane? Let me! You are going to be Adam's wife. Now, how many fingers and toes you want to do it with, well, that is up to you. If you're thinking of escaping, do yourself a favor and forget about it. There's only one way out of here. And then, Ginny will find us in the room. She will bury us in the family plot. So even in death, there ain't no way out of here. I can't accept that. I won't. And I play yeah. his wife in that one, and I think that that one's going to be pretty good. So I look forward to the release of that one as well. Uh, Scott and I both know Bill pretty well, and um, um, he is. You know, when you when you work as an actor with another good actor, it's like tennis pros that play tennis with each other, and you throw a ball, and the other one kicks it back and it's so much more fun when you're working as an actor when you're working with someone as talented as bill oberst because it's we have so much fun working together it, you know it, it it because we both can feel the moment and run with it it's 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 it's, uh, it's just fabulous to work with him i've been friends with bill probably since 2010 when he first moved to Los Angeles and uh, from a film he did back in 2009 but lucky me I get to actually work with Bill Roberts Jr. in a movie called Impure so I'll get to meet Bill for the first time and work with Bill so I'm kind of excited for that congratulations thank you yeah you'll really enjoy that he he's He's just great to work with. He's he's very serious, and he's a one of the hardest working actors uh, that I know in in LA. He it, it's a full time job for him, and everything else comes second. And uh, he is just um, just great to work with. When he's on the set, he is in character, and he's not chit chatting with everybody too much unless it's going to be a while before he works. He's very, very focused. You know, he's a detailed, focused actor. Every moment he makes, he does something with every moment that he's on film. Nice. Yeah. He's, it's not just about spitting out the words with Bill Oberst. Anybody can do that. It's finding those, those, you know, integral moments in man. Can he do it? Yeah, you know, we're happy to be working, and I'm happy that I've started doing it again, and now the 
types of characters that are available for me to play are completely different than the squeaky little ingenues I'm kind of known for. And now I'm getting to play, you know, older, crusty, you know, uh, women. And, I, and that, those parts are much more interesting than um, than the other ones. So I'm grateful that I'm getting offers to, to play, you know, real, live, mature, you know, um, real people, and the horror uh, community is very supportive of each other. We, you know, some of the nicest people I've met are the horror actors and the horror fans and the people that pr promote it, like yourself and Scott. You know, it's like people are really nice, and 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 somebody looking in from the outside would think, ooh, you know, they like horror. They can't possibly be nice people. Um, yeah. I I love Alan Roe Kelly, you know. Um, uh, did I say his name right? But, uh, yep. yeah, I mean, I, uh, we're, you know, we've all connected now on Facebook. So we support each other on Facebook. And it, it's, it's like um, kind of family now, you know. So yep. I just... You know, I'm just blown away by my uh, starting back into it after my my uh, husband passed away, Delaney Bramlett.
and he's got a couple of songs in cut too. The movie starts off with one of his songs. You know, he produced Eric Clapton's first album, and so we did a lot of music together. And um, uh, so it, it it's it, when he passed in 2008. I didn't know what to do with myself, so I decided to go back and do what I've always done, and. I'm so grateful that I'm beginning to get opportunities again to work in, in an art form that I, I absolutely love doing, you know. And the characters are just getting, you know, funkier. I lost one to Piper Laurie the other day, and that kind of pissed me off, you know. Because like, she's much older than me, and I'm thinking, okay, but it gives me hope. I mean, you know, she's... Uh, <laughs> I, so, anyway, you know, there's a place to go with it. Somebody's got to have an old broad, you know, in their movies. So an old broad. I'll, I'll play the grandmothers and the, the you know, crusty old drunks. So, <laughs> happy to. I'm just, yeah, I love the, you know, it's all fun. Well, it's great to have you on today. I think you are a sweetheart. Thank you. I've loved being on. And, um, and I, yeah, I want everybody to support Cut and follow me on Twitter, Suze, S-U-Z-E, Lanier, L-A-N-I-E-R, Bramlett, B-R-A-M, as in Mary, L-A-T-T, Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> you know, it's all there. <laughs> I have it all, And too. then we got IMDb. IMDB for sure. And oh, check out my horror music video called Watch What You Asked For on YouTube. Susan Near Bramlett, Watch What You Asked For. It's a music video. I wrote the music, words and lyrics, um, and directed the uh, music video starring myself, Michael Behrman, and Brooke Lewis, Miss Vampy. Nice. Yeah. It's a really fun horror funny music video about internet dating nice i gotta check that out you'll you'll be amused michael was still living in new york i mean in la and i said i'm going to do a music video he said oh i want to be in it i said are you kidding he said no i said you're in it <laughs> and so we the two of us star in it and brooke is in it too it's really cute and i'm getting ready to direct a bunch more of them of you know i have a cd out called swamp cabaret and uh of there are 15 songs it's the soundtrack of my one woman show it's a lot of rock and blues i just got back from florida um doing bb king's um ladies of the blues show so i'm i'm uh as involved in music most definitely as i am in acting and um uh so, also, my CD is available on CD Baby, iTunes, anything you want. It's called Swamp, like Swampland Cabaret, because I'm kind of from the South and a little bit theatrical. Uh, the movie with uh, Bill Oberst, if we can get all the rest of the funding for it, very Swampland, it's it's all taking place in the swamp. So, it's, it's uh, you know... I, my mom grew up in the swampland in East Texas, and I'm very into that culture. Um, well, I love you guys. Thank you. I mean, you know, I'm just now kind of, I'm on my comeback, so I need all the help I can get. 
<laughs> hey, we're we are we are here to help whoever needs our help. To be honest with you, but, this is my first interview in a while, and I'm glad I did it because Susie is a dog baby. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank yep, you. You're 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 very high on my pedestal, along with Lynn Lowry now. <laughs> oh, good. Lynn and I are friends. I, I met her at a convention. And uh, well, you, she's also, you know, she she's just a doll. I I adore yep. her. She's come to my uh, music shows before, and uh, I that you know we do support each other. I love Lynn. Yeah, she loves me. Mention my name. Hey, Scott Guider. Show me who I am. All right. I will. I will definitely do that. I haven't seen her in a couple of weeks, but you know, she I might, she might she might kiss and hug you and thinking it's me, but hey. <laughs> Honey, Lynn can kiss and hug me anytime she wants. <laughs> I can say this has been one of the, the more fun interviews that we've done. Um, oh, good. So well, I try to tell the truth. You know, I just try to be honest and tell the truth. And usually the truth is much more interesting than if you make something up, you know, like some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that people don't have the balls to, to actually tell, you know. And I think that, I think it's, um, you know, what have I got to lose? You know, I don't, I don't, right I don't see Wes Craven calling me every minute to star in his next movie. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know if anybody, I don't even know if he's doing a next movie. I, I hope he is, but you know, anyway, he's a wonderful director, by the way, I'm not saying anything negative about him. There was some funky politics to the hills of eyes, but um, politics uh, always sucks. That's yeah. all I can say. It always yeah. sucks. Somebody yeah. gets screwed. You know, somebody event obviously gets screwed one way or the other. So I'm not yeah, you know, and I'm person. I'm very grateful. Uh, you know, I don't. I'm sure I've said it before to Wes. But I am really grateful that he gave me that opportunity and cast me as Brenda. Um, you know, I met Delaney, my husband, through the Hills of Eyes. He saw it at a drive-in the night before I went to see him, him sing at the Troubadour in Hollywood in 1977. And he had just seen me the night before. And when he came down off the stage, he came up and he said, I'm going to marry you. And I went, what are you nuts? He said, I saw you in the Hills of Eyes last night, and I'm going to marry you. I love the way you scream. <laughs> and we were together almost 30 years, off and on, a couple of breakups, but uh, we were madly in love. And, and the Hills of Eyes uh, got me a music career. It got me a husband. It got me some beautiful friends and fans. And uh, it you just never know when you do a project and it's going to change your entire life that drastically. And I will always be grateful to Wes Craven. Um, I'm working, I'm writing um, on a murder mystery right now and um, it's real time consuming. And I just um, adopted a new rescue dog who's three pounds so uh, I'm a little disjointed the next couple of weeks. And uh, so um, um, thank you both for the interview. Cool. Well, it's a process, and I look forward to the next one, guys. Ooh, me too. <laughs> me too. All right. All right. I got to get back on this book. So, um, All right. Um, thanks, Suze, for coming on. Love, peace, and happiness, baby.
Cool. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.